Pray with me. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the way that you speak into our lives, our hearts. Lord, we ask this morning that you would make us open to the work of your spirit. That wherever we are, whatever we're going through, Lord, we would hear from you this morning. Encourage and equip us in all areas of our lives to live kingdom first every day of every week of every year for your honor and glory. In Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. My family loves Christmas. I don't know what your living room looks like right now, but mine looks like Santa has come in and just vomited stuff all over the place. Every square inch of wall and edges, there's Christmas stuff everywhere. And about five, six years ago, I decided I wanted to try the outside of the house. You know how expensive it is to do the outside of the house? Went to Home Depot, looking at all this stuff, and they're just, it's really expensive. But I remembered that after Christmas, there's huge discounts. And so that year I waited, and I went after Christmas, and I go in, and I mean, stuff is like 80% off, 90% off. Some of it, they're handing it to you. Please just get this out of our store. But what's left, it's like it's from the island of misfit toys. I mean, there's no Rudolphs. There's no snowmen. I found a giant blow-up Garfield. It's green, like this slime green color that looked like it should be like the nightmare before Christmas. Like, I cannot take that home. It will scare my children. And so I keep searching, and lo and behold, the Holy Grail. Assuming the Holy Grail is a chubby man in a red suit. I found a Santa. There was a Santa left. And I should have known that there was something wrong with the Santa because he was left. And he was like $3.50. And so I took Santa home, and I'm taking him out, and everything seems just fine. And I blow him up, and then I discovered the problem. Santa had vertigo. Every single morning, Santa was on his face. And no matter what I do, I could not keep him up. He was just always on his face every single morning to the point that our next-door neighbors, who have a really good sense of humor, um, they got up early, and they took an empty wine bottle, and they set it by Santa, which is great for all the kids in the neighborhood. But this Santa Claus just would not stand up. There was no stability in Santa. And I kept trying to get him to stand, and he wouldn't. And as I think of this season, and I think about our world, there is so much instability. You think about the economy. You think about the wars and terrorism. You think about layoffs and jobs. There's so much instability. There's so many things we can't control. They're happening to us. And sometimes they're out there, and sometimes they're right here. They're our families and our friends, our jobs. So much instability. How do you get stability in such an unstable world? How do we find it? That 
is what this reading is about this morning. Where we can find true, lasting stability. Open up your Bibles, if you would, to Luke chapter 1. We're going to look at the announcement to Mary. Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. Where do we find stability? In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from, a, from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Sixth month is a reference to Elizabeth's pregnancy. You'll notice the way that they mention the city, um, a city of Galilee named Nazareth. It's because Nazareth was so small that it's a blip on the map. Um, there may have been as few as 20 homes in the village of Nazareth during this time in the first century. It's really tiny, and so it has to be identified. It's a city of Galilee called Nazareth. There's this little place. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. We learned a couple things there. The girl that, she is, that the angel has come to, her name is Mary, She's a virgin, which means she is chaste, she is pure, she is not married yet, she's not been with a man yet, and because of that, she's betrothed and likely somewhere between about 12 and 15 years of age. That was a standard time this would have happened. Here is a young girl in a little village that has had an angel show up to her, and she's looking forward to getting married. She is betrothed, which is more than an engagement in our culture. Betrothal is the first of a two-step process. They're already hitched up. I mean, if you were to break the betrothal, it is like getting a divorce. It is much stronger than what we might think of as engagement. And then if you're Jewish, you have been waiting for 400 years to hear from God again. When the last prophet spoke, you got 400 years. You are waiting for the return of Yahweh. And you hear he's from the house of David. Something perks up in you. And you go, the house of David, could this be? But, I'm sorry, verse 28. And he came to her and said, greetings, a Greek word that is sometimes translated Um, rejoice. Um, This is a very happy greeting. This is like the angel saying, greetings, with a big smile on his face. Favored one, the Lord is with you. Um, This is specific Old Testament language. This is what was said to Gideon as he was being recruited. Not because Gideon was anything really special, but because God was going to be with him, even if his clan was small. Now it's this young girl in this little town Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying. She tried to discern what sort of greeting it might be. She can hardly hear the words. Um, it's as if the angel's going, Hi, I'm so happy to be here. And Mary's going, Oh, she's scared. Which everybody who sees an angel in the Bible is scared because it's an angel and it's this glowing figure that just appeared to this little girl. She's trying to figure out what is going on. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid. Um, And again, literally, um, this this is a present tense thing. It's stop fearing. It's not just a don't be afraid. He's talking to her in the moment saying, stop fearing, Mary. 
That's not why I'm here. I'm not here to scare you. I'm here with something amazing. Stop fearing, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Same phrase that is used of Sarah, of Moses, of King David. Um, You found favor. She's in really good company. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus. Transliteration of the Hebrew word Joshua, which means Yahweh saves. They're waiting for Yahweh to return. He will be great and be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. Now, Son of the Most High, you might initially think deity, Son of God, but that is a first century saying that more often applied to kings. And in this context where he's been given the throne, it's probably more that. It's referring to his royalty more than his divinity. It's connected to the throne of David. You'll give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. This is an incredible scene that any Jewish believer during the time would have just fallen over. They'd been blown blown away by this. You are waiting for the return of Yahweh. And here's this announcement where you're talking to this little girl and there's all of this imagery that brings in so many Old Testament figures all in positive ways. And then you get to the end and you say, here it is. See, there was a promise that was made to David in 2 Samuel that there would be a king on the throne Now, that has kind of happened. If you follow David, and then you go to Solomon, and then you follow the kings, there's these king after king after king after king, and then it stops. And then there's all of this upheaval. Assyria comes in. Babylon comes in. Then Greece comes in. And then Rome comes in. There's all of this upheaval. There is no single ruler that would forever be on the throne. That was the promise made to David. That's the announcement the angel is making. This is not just, oh, there's a king coming, much like all the other ones. This is much more radical. There is a king coming who is going to reign forever, never be toppled over, never will that kingdom end. How much instability is there in a company when there's turnover? Especially when the turnover is the president, somebody high in the company. How much instability is there in families when relationships begin to crumble and fall apart? We know when things change and fall apart, there's this instability inherent in it. What if there was a king, a single king, who would reign forever, never be overturned, His rule would never be challenged. He would always be in control. There is nothing more stable than that. That's the promise. That's what's happening with Mary. Your son is that king. I would like to give you an image for stability. I want you to think about stability 
using this picture. You all know what an anchor is, right? If you have a boat, you take an anchor, you put the anchor down, and it holds the boat in place. Now, here's the thing about the way that it works. Anchors, it's not the weight of the anchor. It is the anchor being attached to the ground. In fact, there are actually different types of anchors for different forms of ground that it would stick to so that it can hold the boat. And this is true of the way it works. An anchor does not hold a boat completely still. It can't because there's energy in the waves and it has to be able to absorb that and release it. And so the boat can actually rock some. It can move some with that anchor down. That's all intentional. It has to work that way. I would argue that is what stable faith actually looks like. That anchor does not keep the boat from being hit by wind. It doesn't keep the boat from moving. It keeps the boat from crashing into another boat. It keeps the boat from being pulled out of the harbor and out of the safety, even as it's being hit by the wind, even as the waves come. There is a safety within the storm that the anchor provides. That is what faith looks like. If you ever thought that being a Christian meant everything was going to go right, you're in the wrong faith. And all of you can attest to that. Everybody in this room can attest to that. Just because you're a believer in Jesus Christ doesn't mean a bunch of bad stuff doesn't happen. The winds keep coming. Your life rocks. The question is, will you drop the anchor all the way down and let it rest on the stability of Christ even as it shakes, even as your life moves, or, like me, quite often, Will you pull that anchor back up because you trust yourself more than you trust God? You never say it that way. But when it starts getting really bad and things start happening you don't think should happen and it gets really hard, you start to take control instead of trusting and you pull the anchor up. Will you let the anchor all the way down so that it is resting on Christ and you are trusting him even as the waves come, the wind comes, and it knocks you around? Or will you choose to trust in yourself, which is very much like trusting in a blow-up snowman with vertigo? Because we have so little control over so many things. Now what if, what if we could have that kind of trust? What if we accept it as a reality? Church, Jesus Christ reigns right now. Right now. Not just to come. Right now. And there is nothing that will ever topple that. There is nothing that will ever take that away. It is that thing which we can rest our anchor on completely 100%. What might it look like if we did that? Go back into your Bible. Verse 34. Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. 
The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Also, Old Testament language. This is the same language of the Spirit hovering or shadowing over the waters at creation. It's the same language as the, the, the Spirit descending on the tabernacle. Now that same thing is going to overshadow Mary. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Here's the first thing. If you can accept and embrace that he is reigning right now, it will never end and drop the anchor all the way down. You have to change your view on what is possible. On what is possible in reality. Because it all changes if he is reigning. And it's interesting the way this starts. If you remember the story of Zechariah, there's an exact parallel here. The angel shows up to Zechariah and says, your prayers are being answered. You guys are going to have a kid. And Zechariah goes, how can this be? And the angel goes, how dare you? How dare you doubt that God would do this? You are now going to be mute for the next nine months. Well, then the angel comes to Mary and says, you're going to have a kid, even though you've never been with a man before. And Mary goes, how will this be? And the angel goes, how dare you doubt? No, he doesn't. Why? I mean, is this just like some form of favoritism by the angel? Like you're a little girl, you don't get it, and so we're going to give you a pass here? Or I would make this argument based on Mary's attitude, the angel's attitude, and everything in her passage. Zechariah was asking a question of doubt. How is this going to happen? Because I don't think it can. He had already given up. We've studied the story before. Zechariah was what, he may have even been praying, but there were only words at that point. He'd given up. Whereas Mary is a question of faith. It's not a, oh my goodness, how are you ever going to do this? This can't possibly happen. It's a, how are you going to do this? It's the kind of thing, have you ever had something happen in your life and it was really hard and you got to the end and you looked back and you went, wow, look what God did. Mary's going at this point, wow, God, how are you going to do this one? I'm not doubting you can. I'm excited for what you're going to do. It's a very different question. A question of faith instead of a question of doubt. Those are the kinds of questions that we can ask if he is reigning right now and it will never end. Whatever is going on in your life, your relationships, your job, your kids, all of these things that may be hard as the wind is beating against you. The question can be right in the middle of how hard it is. The question can be, how are you going to do this one, God? Because you're reigning. And I have a hope and a possibility of reality that is not true without you. Because without you, all I have is a blow-up snowman with vertigo. And I could not put much hope in that. He's just going to keep falling down. But with you... I don't know how you're going to do it. I don't know what it's going to look like. But you are reigning. And I can look at it very differently. There's a little boy who came back from Sunday school class. And his mom said, what did you guys guys learn today? And he began to share. We learned about this man named Moses. And Moses did something really cool. He rescued all of his people from Egypt. And as he was leading them out of Egypt, 
they came to this really big river and all the bad guys were following him. And he had to get over that river and so he had his engineers build a bridge. And then as they went over that bridge, they got to the other side and the bad guys were going over and he called an airstrike and he blew up that bridge and all of the bad guys were in the river. His mom raised an eyebrow. She said, is that really what your teacher taught you? And the kid went, no, it's what she meant though. I mean, you wouldn't believe what she told us. And as we think of that, I wonder sometimes, is that really how we feel? I mean, do we read some of these crazy, miraculous things? Do we think about a a true and living God who loves us, and in some ways he's nothing more than a story instead of a reality? He's something that we struggle to believe in instead of dropping the anchor all the way and just going... You're my God. You reign. There is nothing that is impossible. I have no idea what this is going to look like, God, but I know you are in charge, and it will change how I see what I'm going through. Number one, if you accept it and drop the anchor all the way, it will change the possibilities of reality. Number two, look at a... Next verse, verse 38. Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. I am the servant of the Lord. That is what Mary sees as her identity. You know how strong identity is? I mean, think about the various ways you define yourself. Husband, wife, parent. Uh, Maybe you define yourself as a teacher or a lawyer or whatever your vocation is. Think about the ways you define yourself and how much impact that has on how you view others, decisions that you make. Mary says, I am the servant of the Lord. It's as if she, and and again, I do this so infrequently, it's as if she walks right into the throne room of God to say, I'm your servant. Her identity is very immediate with God. Her identity, she starts there. I mean, she could have started as, I'm just a little girl. Um, I, I'm a daughter. Uh, I I'm, I'm just got betrothed. But she starts with, I'm a servant of the Lord. Do you know how that can impact how you see things? What your first decisions would be? But if he's reigning, if he's king, our first identity can be, I am a servant of the Lord. I walk into the throne room. It's not a distant thing. I will be a servant. It's not I want to be a servant. If I just do better, can I tell you you're never going to do good enough? Ever in this life. If you are stuck on, as long as I just do a few more good things, then I'll feel better. As soon as you do those, you're going to do some more bad things. Get over that. We have a savior because we couldn't save ourselves. We are servants because of what he has done. He's called us. And we can take that as our identity. A key identity for me um, is ordination of how I see myself. And I remember three things from my ordination service 10 years ago. Number one, I remember standing there and I'm wearing this alb, this white thing here. And it was one of the first times I'd been wearing it. And I'm standing there and I've got around me the people who will present me, getting ready to start the service. 
And my daughter at that time is three years old. And she's tugging on it, standing next to me. And I'm like trying to brush her away because I'm a good dad. You know, there's important things going on here, honey. I got to focus. And she's pulling. Finally, I'm like, what? And she goes, Daddy, I like your dress. It's pretty. I already felt so self-conscious wearing this thing. That really helped. Great humility. I remember that moment. And I remember about halfway through the service, we laid on our faces on the stone, hands out while they prayed. And we were there for like 10 minutes. It's a litany prayer. I mean, it's long. And I'm listening to all these things they're praying, and I'm recognizing when you are ordained, you're ordained to be a servant. You're not ordained to be a ruler. You're not ordained to lord it over people. You're ordained to serve them. And it just laying there flat on my face, it just, it was like, wow. It sunk in in a way I hadn't before. And after the service, Aaron, my wife, gave me this ring. And I know in the back you can't really see anything. There's a ring on my finger. Silver. Um, she has one too. And she gave us these rings to remind us every day that we have been called into ministry. That it's 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That's what this calling is. And it's a reminder, much like my wedding ring is a reminder. This is an identity. Um, I'm not just like a priest on Sunday. It's who I am. It's how I'm supposed to view what God wants of me, how I serve people, how I see circumstances. And I fail all the time. Um, I'm a terrible priest sometimes. I mean, I, I say things I wish I could take back I do things that I just have to go and say, God, I'm so sorry. Why did I do that? Um, I end up treating people poorly. But I keep coming back to this identity, part of what my identity is. I'm a priest. I'm a servant of the Most High. That's where Mary starts. And what that leads to is this. She says, Behold, I'm a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. There is a depth of submission that can come in your life and my life when we embrace that he is on the throne now through eternity and we are his servants. There is a depth of submission that can come. What you may not factor in is Mary says that. She probably had a relatively decent life coming. She's going to get married to a man that was making a good living and could take good care of her. She's going to have some good kids. She's got a family. God has just done this. He has turned her life upside down. You know what happens to a woman who gets pregnant outside of marriage in that culture. They are ostracized. They are kicked out because it brings shame on the family. For Mary to embrace this without knowing what God would do, is to embrace a future of begging, prostitution, or death on the streets. What Mary just did is she said, I don't want my stability, I want yours. I will sacrifice what I think is stable to take your stability. I will completely give my life over no matter what it may cost because you reign, not me, and I'm your servant. And that kind of submission is what we can do when we embrace he is reigning now forever. And we are his servants. 
a friend of mine had a tree in their backyard, and it was up against the fence of their neighbor. And during the fall, the leaves from that tree would fall into the neighbor's yard. And the neighbor hated it to the point that the neighbor would go and grab the leaves, pick them up, and drop them back over the fence. Told them, you know, cut your tree. They're like, it's our tree. It's beautiful. We don't want to cut our tree. Kept doing it. Well, one day, friend is gone. They come home. Go into their backyard. The tree has been cut down. While they were gone, the neighbors hired a tree company to go into their yard, cut the tree down, and take it away. How are you feeling right now? Will you allow God to do that in your life? Not ask you permission. Come into your life. Take whatever he may want. Give whatever he may want. Take you on whatever path he may want to take you. Will you give him that amount of freedom? That's the submission of Mary. She truly has no idea how this is going to work out. For all she knows, her husband's going to reject her and her life is done. And yet, he reigns. I'm a servant. The best ability I could possibly have in this life is him. So I will submit completely to him, even when I don't understand it. That is true stability. I never got my snowman to stand up. I don't know what was wrong with that snowman, but he just would never stand up. Kept falling down. Kept falling down. What I can tell you, did I say it again? Snowman. Did I call him a snowman or Santa? You guys don't even know what I called him. We've got disagreement among you all. See how unstable things are? My goodness. All right. Well, the Santa just kept falling down. And this is, this is what I would say. Whatever that blow-up thing was, it just kept falling down. I can guarantee you, as long as you are in this fallen world, things will be unstable. No matter how stable you think things may be, they will be unstable. Things will happen that you wish didn't. Things will happen that you'll try to get out of. Some will be really good. Some may be really bad. Some may be long-term. Some may be really short but it will remain unstable. And like that snowman, Santa Claus, Garfield, just going to keep coming. But here's the one thing. That blow-up vertigo doll thing, it never blew away. It was anchored. No matter how much it kind of fell and got knocked around, it, it was anchored. No matter what comes into your life, you can anchor your life to Jesus Christ. He is reigning now and will reign forever. And we're his servants. We can submit in ways that you couldn't do with anything else because of who he is. You pray with me. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for your son, for all that he gave to us, the love that it took to come and live our lives and then to die as one of us. But Lord, you have raised him. And as we come just to celebrate the birth, 
We already know the ending. You raised him to new life, and he reigns. Lord, let that truth so impact our lives that we are transformed and we can live new lives by your spirit, especially this season. In the name of Jesus, we ask it. Amen.